In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the second Sunday of the blessed month of the Peep, and today the Gospel was from Matthew chapter 18. And the theme of the Gospel reading today revolves, and all the readings of, the, of the, the church today revolve around the idea of the stumbling block. The idea of the stumbling block. The Lord says in the Gospel today, He said, Whoever causes these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. And what is clear from the passage is that the Lord does not like stumbling blocks. He does not like stumbling blocks. The Lord says, it's better. I don't like, how is this better? Better for him that a millstone be wrapped around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. And I think the Lord doesn't like stumbling blocks for three quick reasons. One, the Lord is tough on stumbling blocks because he loves his children. And in his great love for us, he wants to protect us. And we see this even in nature. I was Googling animals that protect their young. And there, there's many animals that protect their young and will fight to the death for their young. If anyone tries to harm their young, they will respond. They will attack. They will, they will not let their children be eaten by wolves. You know, like the, the orangutan, for instance, was the top old mother that loves its children and nurses its children for 15 years. I was so amazed. Even animals care for their children so much and will protect them from, from anything that harms them. How much more will our Heavenly Father protect us? The second reason is that the Lord has, I would say, a zero tolerance for sin. Zero tolerance for sin. And that's why in the gospel today it said, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, what should you do? Yeah, cut them off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet and be cast into the everlasting fire. If your eye, if your eye causes you to sin, if your eye causes you to sin, it is better for you to pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. This is, I think, an issue with American theology, if I may say. Like, this is something that in American theology, sin is accepted, is tolerated, but actually is never accepted or tolerated. Even when the Lord, the Lord loves sinners and accepts sinners and forgives sinners and all the, the, the stuff, you know, we believe. But at the same time, he has no tolerance for, no tolerance for sin. That's why when the sinful woman came and he said, go, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. Because no tolerance for sin. So anything that causes someone to sin, a stumbling block, it would be very unacceptable because the Lord has a zero tolerance for sin. But today I want to talk to you about, you guys know the stumbling blocks and the common stumbling blocks, and we've talked about that many times. What are the common stumbling blocks that everyone fit? Lost money, all those things are all stumbling blocks and many people fall by those things. But what I wanted to really talk about uh, with you today is some stumbling blocks that are sort of hidden. I'm calling it the hidden stumbling blocks. 
the things that you might not think about but are actually very big stumbling blocks. The first thing or the first idea that is a big stumbling block that many people may not consider a stumbling block is this ideology. It says, what, what I do is my own business. As long as I don't hurt anyone, then it's cool and it's okay. Because it's my life and I can do what I want. So you don't think you're being a stumbling block. But in actuality, this idea is a huge stumbling block. This idea, I'll just do what I want. It doesn't affect anybody. I can live the way I want to live. Big stumbling block. Because how do you know that what you're doing won't hurt anybody? How do you know? How do you know what you're doing won't hurt anybody? You might say what you're doing won't hurt anybody, but in actuality, even what you do in private can hurt many people. And I'll talk about that. Some people say because they sin in secret, it doesn't, no one knows. But actually, my first argument is that nowadays, <laughs> nowadays, there's no secrets. Ask the young people about this, no secrets. Everybody knows everything about everyone. Even you sin in secret, you guys, the kids can't keep their mouth shut, so they tell everybody how they sin. But then it's not secret. And then you're obviously, you can become a stumbling block to them. Even I, as a father of confession to many, I don't like to hear about your sins. I mean, it's my job and you're supposed to say it, but I don't like it. Because it could be a stumbling block to me. And I have ears too, right? I have a mind. I, so I don't like, so I don't understand why people tell everyone their sins. This could be a very big stumbling block to everyone, even what you do in private. The second argument against this, what I can, I can do what I want as long as I don't hurt anybody, is that sin has consequences, and sometimes even people who are not directly involved with the sin have to pay those consequences. So, you sinning by yourself, you might sin, and then there will be consequences, and then guess who has to pay the price of that consequence? The rest of us. All of us. Like, for example, this is, might be a silly story, like an example, but if someone goes and, like, imagine a store, and someone goes and steals from that store, and steals a bunch from that store, who's going to pay the price of all that stealing? Who's going to pay the price of all that stealing? Uh, other people, that cost will get buried into insurance and security systems. And the consequence of one person's private action actually affected, affects the whole business. of the and, in fact, and people outside who didn't steal, we're going to have to pay a little bit more because of somebody who just steals. For We bear the consequences sometimes of some people who sins. The other idea is... Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sin. Zembek Ifid Maldoda. Like what's the where did you did you sin or did Adam and Eve sin? Adam and Eve sin, but we pay that we have a consequence, we have a fallen nature, don't we? There is a consequence for sin, regardless if it was you who committed or someone else. This is the way Yani the way the world works. Another one, another example. If someone has like an, illeg an illegitimate child, that was a private sin and whatever, isn't that going to affect other people? Or is just your private sins are only for you? No. Your sins affect everyone. Your sins affect everyone, affect the community of the church. 
If you look at a story in Joshua chapter 7, if we look at the story of Achan, in the story of Achan, Achan, they were at war. Joshua was at war with Jericho. And you know the story and how they walked around and the walls fell. And then uh, victory was, was taken by the Israelites. But Achan committed a sin. And Achan, what he did is he took an idol for himself. Just for himself. It was a private sin. But look at what the Lord says about Achan's private sin. It says that the, Lord, the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. And then later on in Joshua chapter 8, they're going to war against a city called Ai or A. And it was supposed to be such an easy battle. And even Joshua said, we don't need to send, don't send all the army. Just send a little bit. It'll be easy. It'll be an easy battle. And then guess what? They went into battle and then defeated. And then Joshua came back crying. He said, Sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan at all? To turn us over to the Amorites? To destroy us? Why didn't we just stay on the other side of the Jordan? What can I say, O Lord, now that Israel has retreated from the enemy? The Canaanites and everyone else in the country will hear about it. They will surround us and kill every one of us. Then what will you do to protect your honor? Joshua had lost it. What is going on? Then the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. What are you doing lying on the ground crying? Get a, stand up. And he said, Israel has sinned. And the part that I'm thinking about, Israel has sinned? Where did Israel sin? Israel didn't. One man sinned. One family sinned. But the Lord said, Israel has sinned. They have broken the agreement with me that I ordered to keep. They have taken some things, condemned to destruction. They stole them, lied about it, and put them with their own things. And then Joshua did and found it was Achan and he was dealt with. But the amazing thing to me is how the sin of one, the private sin, affected the whole nation of Israel. And many people went to war and guess what? Passed away because of one man's sin. St. Paul in his epistle to Second Colossians, he says, we are knit together. It's like we are one fabric. Christians are one fabric. If one piece of the fabric is tainted or stained, isn't the whole fabric messed up? If one part of your dress has a stain on it, doesn't the whole thing become corrupted? The same thing, even like a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of sin corrupts everyone. A private sin, there is no such thing as my private sin. A sin is against the community of the church, against the body of Christ, because we are one body. That's why even the priest in the, in the liturgy, he says, because of my abomination, don't let my sins of my heart deprive your people of the grace of your Holy Spirit. And in the Catholic epistle today, there is something very beautiful. The Catholic epistle was from St. Jude. It says, Beloved, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. Our common salvation. What does it mean, our common salvation? I think our common salvation means the things that we share in common. 
And it means that we're all eating from the same pie in layman's terms. Or in theological terms, we're literally eating from the same body, the same bread, the same body of the Lord. So my salvation is affected and influenced by your actions. And your actions, your actions are affecting and influencing my salvation. Do we understand that concept? So no one can say it's just my private sin. It's just my life. I want to live the way I want to, li- to live. The next hidden stumbling block that I think we sometimes fall by is the stumbling block of familiar, familiar, familiarity. I can't say that word right now for some reason. Being familiar with something to the point that it causes you to stumble. I was inspired by, like, what inspired this, like, this point was, if you notice the Jews, why don't they believe in the Lord? One of the things that they said about the Lord Jesus Christ is, He's so familiar. He said, they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Oh, we know, we know this Jesus. So because he was so familiar, so common to them, it actually caused them to overlook who the Lord was. How familiar, familiar, I'm going to give up, okay? How something being so familiar could cause you to stumble. And the irony in this stumbling block is the things that are supposed to build you up the most the things that are supposed to be the building blocks, the things that you're supposed to be rising up upon, actually become the stumbling block. Do you ever think that the Lord Jesus Christ is a stumbling block? Actually, that's what St. Peter says. St. Peter says in his epistle, he says, I don't have it here. Where'd it go? He says, he talks about in the epistle of St. Peter that they are living stones and you are built on the living stone. But that living stone has become a stumbling block to those who do not believe. It's in, it's in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 8. This idea that the Lord Jesus Christ becomes actually a stumbling block to those who don't believe. Maybe they say he's too familiar. Maybe he's, 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 he's around us. And then it becomes a stumbling block. This got me thinking about another stumbling block that we usually suffer from that becomes very familiar to us is actually family. Sometimes family can become a big stumbling block. And actually C.S. Lewis in his uh, Screwtape Letters, which is a book about how the demons tempt all mankind, he says, when two humans have lived together for many years, it usually happens that each has tones of voice and expressions of face which are almost endurably irritating to each other. Because when the voice of someone becomes very familiar to you, it actually can cross like the boundary of and become just so annoying and irritating. And I don't like... Ugh. So how familiar... Ugh. How something so familiar can become such a big stumbling block. But family should not be a stumbling block. Actually, family should be a big building block, as I said. And that's why even like St. Paul, what is written, St. Paul wrote to St. Timothy in his epistle, he said, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, 
in you, St. Timothy, which first dwelt with who? With your grandmother. Your grandmother. Your grandmother. The faith that was in you came from your grandmother. And not only your grandmother, your mother as well. So St. Paul is saying, look at how his faith, the faith of St. Timothy, was affected by the faith of his grandmother. Family should be building block, not a stumbling block. Another reason something familiar can become a stumbling block is because you start to take it for granted. And this would be something like communion. I think all of us, we're going to stump, we sometimes stumble on this stumbling block. It's actually communion. Communion is the holiest thing, but actually could be considered a big stumbling block if we approach it in an unworthy manner. Right? And that's what St. Paul says. He says, whoever eats or drinks the bread, this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, he will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Do you see how something so familiar, so common, could actually become actually a very big stumbling block? The last thing that I think can become a stumbling block that was in the gospel of today was or is ambition. If you go to the gospel of today, it starts off by the disciples wondering something. What were they wondering? They were wondering who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes ambition, sometimes ambition, your personal ambition to drive and to succeed and to acquire wealth will actually be a big stumbling block to you and to your salvation and maybe to others. And actually that's why the Lord had to bring them down and say, no, 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 you know who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? This little child. Be careful that your ambition, I mean everybody wants to be very rich and have whatever and all this stuff, but your ambition, your riches could actually lead and become a very big stumbling block to you. So be careful of your ambition. Ambition is great, is wonderful, but if it's used for the glory of God, then it's okay. If it's used for your own glory, then it could become a very big stumbling block. I want to leave you with just one idea. Is I want you now to imagine a place without stumbling blocks. How would your life be different if there were no stumbling blocks? Think about the sins that you struggle with and think about what causes those, those sins. Is it people? Is it... Imagine your life without... I wish, my dream, I pray, is that actually you don't need to think about it so hard. <laughs> my dream is that you don't have to think about it too hard. I pray that you don't have stumbling blocks in your life. Actually, the people sitting next to you everybody can look around, should be building blocks. Should be helping you grow in your spiritual life. If the people next to you, in the church, are not building you up, then I don't know where you're going to find building blocks. I don't know, actually. That would be very, like, disastrous. If in the church, there were stumbling blocks. Then, then where, where are you going to be built up? 
That's why it's very important. Each person thinks about and makes a covenant with themselves and to God and says, I will not be a stumbling block. I wish all the youth, I wish all the people, they said, I will not be a stumbling block. I will never cause someone that I love, because we love everybody in here, right? I hope so, too. We love everyone here and we want everybody's salvation. And if we love everyone and we want everyone, we hope for everyone's salvation, then it would be very bad for us to cause one of God's children to, to stumble. I wish everyone makes that covenant with themselves today. Imagine a world without stumbling blocks. Be so beautiful. Just actually, I think we have it. We have it here. I think we have it. And glory be to God forever. Amen.